KSA Radio, where you are family. I'm Rian, and I'm talking to Bianca Menard today about software developing. Hi, Rian. Hi, Bianca. I must honestly confess here, you know, for me, the difference between software and hardware is you rub the one thing and it changes. And so software becomes hardware. What is software? Okay, software is a very complicated set of code that is authored over an extensive period of time and compiled into a uh, EXE or a DLL, what we call it. And that would then um, execute on the machine and give you some some actions like user inputs and pressing buttons and hearing sounds and all those kind of thing. But it's it's basically a, a conversation with a computer. So the art of, of developing software is is something that you can't just pick up overnight. It is something that you work very hard and very long at before you kind of good at it, you know. And um, by extension, if you want to be really good at it, you have to work at it for a really long time. How difficult was it to get into the industry? Impossible. Um, you know, people always complain and they say, um, you know, I, I need a break. I need to get in somewhere. And, and IT is just the same. Software development is just the same. You need a break. Someone needs to get up and say, okay, fine, I'm going to give you a chance and, and see what you can do. And, and by that moment in time, you have to be ready. So, you know, a life spent in preparation might be just enough to get into IT. You run your own company? At the moment, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to get you to that because I think there's a unique side to this whole thing for me and it's not yeah. something that I that happens every day. Okay. You are a transgendered woman. That's right. So discrimination, have you ever had that happening to you in, 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 yeah. in, in this industry? Yeah, definitely. When when I came out, it's it's been really difficult since then. Um, you know, I... I had a family, I had a wife and three children and a supportive uh, um, father and mother. And um, I had a career. I, I was working at the bank. Um, you know, I was going to the office in Santon, getting on the train at half past six in the morning from Pretoria through to Santon and then back. And it, it was grand until, you know, people lost their faith. And in software development, faith, I think, is a big thing. Because we're dealing with something that could very easily be, like you just said, underestimated and, and undervalued. So um, in, in that situation, it was difficult to maintain a facade of knowledge and of passion and of capability while people are asking questions about my personality and my, um, my identity and, you know, am I gay or not? You know, do I like guys or do I like girls? You know, they're just... What does it matter at the end I of know, the day? Yeah, but, you know, with business, it's become such a big problem. I see that we're sitting in the, in the, in the office of a, um, a hypnotherapist, and that's quite interesting because, you know, in business, we deal with uh, personalities very similar to a psychopath. And the business will, will basically... I don't want to swear on radio, but you do can. you do you? Okay, so the business will fuck you over as as a developer or as any kind of resource, basically, and and any customer or whatever, you know, just to make money, and that's all the business wants. So when you come into work situation with a personal situation like being transgender and now coming out for the first time and having to deal with your family leaving you by the wayside and not having support and you know having to physically live on the street. A few nights in a row, um, you know, people just 
don't have the kind of speed, especially when you're walking in as a contractor, you know, in a banking situation. Everybody's wearing suits and ties and all of a sudden I'm wearing lipstick and makeup, you know, and, and a dress. And it, it became hard. And I ended up working from home for quite a period of time. And what then happened was I started becoming the workaholic that I feared I should never become because I felt, you know, okay, now I'm a trans woman. I've put myself back so many years because now I can't stand up there. I don't have male privilege anymore. You know, I can't threaten people with my big muscles anymore, you know, and, and I actually have to produce some code to, to or some working software. So I ended up working 10 hours instead of eight hours and, and working from home. I ended up working more physical hours than I would have in the office. And eventually I developed a tennis elbow from moving my hand between the mouse and the keyboard back and forth oh. the whole time. So, and, and I burned out. I just, I physically couldn't cope anymore. And, and it was so sad that I ended up on my own by myself all alone. And there was no one to actually catch me and say, you know what, is your arm okay? Can we take you to the doctor? Can you go and get an injection? Do you want to take a few days off? It was like everybody just threw their hands up and said, you know what, you, we're going to leave you for dead. And that's basically how I started Bonsai again because I realized I have to change the way I do things. As, as a trans person, as, as a woman in, in IT, I'm not going to survive because I can't, I can't compete with anybody in, in the industry based on hours anymore. You know, I've, I've got a life. I've got to look after myself. I've got to go and buy makeup that I have to put on for two hours in the morning sometimes, you know? So I've got different needs now. So I had to change the way I do things. And, and that's really what the business is about. Just, I changed the way I think about work and I changed the way I think about interactions with people. And I changed the way I write software and produce it and enable other people to use it. What kind of software do you, do you write? I think that the previous time we spoke, yeah. you mentioned something about an app. Yeah, so um, my software journey has has been something that that's changed over time. I mean, every every would be developer starts off as a little child, as a young as a young person, and um, most of us kind of want to write a virus. You know, we want to write something that that that's going to live, something that's going to you know affect, and everybody's going to see it. And um, that that idea continued then into websites, and I started writing websites, and I started writing. Um, interactions for for people in in business, you know, it, it it went down so far as to writing financial planners on the internet, um, based on um, Excel spreadsheets that actuaries would would hand me um, from institutions like um, Alexander Forbes, and and it became a passion for me to to kind of put something in front of a user to gain information from that user, and when when. I lost everything basically. I, I figured, you know what? I do have my experience still with me. I do have my my journey and my progression as software developer, which the term software developer is is something that I use um, interchangeably with programmer. Someone that writes code specifically to be able to reuse it and execute it on multiple platforms, really. That's what pro a software developer means to me. And I found about... Ten years ago, I started with with mobile development, and and it was such a passion. I, I just couldn't put the mobile phone down, and and I figured, you know, this has to be the future. It has to be the way that people are going to interact, and the way that people's going to consume software in the future. I mean, I'm talking back now, ten years back, um, 
the first Titan 2 phones that only came out. Windows Mobile was the only thing really that, that you could do anything with. And, and we wrote some really impressive software on Windows Mobile 15 years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, it ended up in, in a situation where I brought everything together and I realized that um, we as a software development community has an opportunity to change the way we think and interact with business. Because if you think about it, every other major um, group of employees has representatives, like a union and, um, you know, Basic Employment Act and so forth. But it's like software developers somewhere falling through the cracks. And there's no representation. There's no kind of union for software developers. And, and they also don't want to get involved. You know, we're not political kind of people. We, we want to sit in the office and write code but we get abused in the office. And um, I figured, you know what, if I can write a piece of code that I can rely on to produce working software instead of um, experimental software. And What's the difference between the two? If I give you a demo, it's experimental software. Okay. So I give you a demo and the demo has got some, what we call mock data in. So if you think about something that captures um, user information and brings back a profile in terms of, uh, let's say, an account of some sort. Um, we can mock that data and we can pretend that that data exists from a back-end integrated perspective, but it, it doesn't necessarily is the case. You know? So when I give you that piece of data, that, that software, it's not fully complete yet. You know, it's something that still needs to be written. And the chances of me changing something down the line and breaking then and costing me weeks of redevelopment and redesign, you know, is quite good in, in, the, in the industry today. And that's why software developers have such a bad name because people think, you know, we just sit there and we just write all these lines of code and then it breaks and we code bugs and, you know, that's just our life. But there has to be a change in the way we think and say, okay, let's actually not produce bad code in the first place. Let's put down a piece of software that I can demo and put down and say, this piece of software as it is shows you exactly what it can do. And to that point, it's complete. And that's a workable piece of software. Do you study to become a software developer? Yeah, I think, I think the, the gross amount of studying that you have to do is, is substantial. Um, you know, I started at the age of nine and my father basically gave me his university level um, programming manual. It was, I think, at that, at that moment in time, it was 680 pages full of, of code. Yeah, and that's where I started at nine years old. And he didn't teach me much. I just basically go, went through the book and I taught myself. And I did that with every other language subsequent to the first one I did was um, first Pascal. And since then, I think I've gone through, yes, must be 15, 16 different languages by now. Okay, so there's languages as well. Okay, yeah, you're talking yeah, to a very ignorant yeah. dumb person. Yeah. So what are we talking about when we we're, say languages? We're talking about expression. So you have to express yourself to the computer, to the cell phone, to whatever platform you're targeting. You have to express yourself. And you have to basically tell the machine step by step what to do and, and, and what to expect. You know, so it involves a, a very um, complex uh formatation of, of if statements and case statements and while loops and for loops and for each loops. And, you know, it's basically a structural representation of, of a logic set of steps that you want to execute. An algorithm, basically. People sometimes talk about algorithms. 
that's the nice word for a step-by-step execution of, of something. Yeah, you're in the process of really, you take your loops and for me a loop is an ID JS, so it's like repeating the same thing over and over. But you're, you've worked on an app that is being launched or you are going to launch and yes. it's very exciting. Yes. Just give me a little bit, okay. a tiny bit of so, background. So Bonsai basically right now is a methodology that provides a mobile software developer targeting iOS and Android. Those are languages. So iOS and Android and Windows are the the end platforms, the mobile platforms that we target. Okay. So you get your Windows mobile phone, you get your Android phone, and then you get your iOS phone. Okay. Okay, iOS would be BlackBerry. No, no, BlackBerry is off the charts by now. It shows you how behind I am. iPhone. Is that iOS? It's iPhone. Okay. iPhone's iOS. Android is your your Nokia. Your sorry, not your Nokia. Your your um your your Samsungs and those kind of things. Those are the Android phones, and then you get your Windows phones, which is the Nokia. Okay, so we're getting back to Bonsai. So what? Yeah. So Bonsai basically takes all the um, architectural knowledge that I've gained in the last twenty odd years in the industry, and it brings it together with the help of some smart templating code that I've been working on. And it generates physical complete sets of executing application code that can be launched directly onto the App Store. So the the end game for me, and I'm not far away, is that there is an app on your phone that you download on your phone. And you fill in a couple of details like the name of your app and so forth and so forth. And hit a button and basically find your app in the app store. Okay. Yeah. So in a day if I want two. to make an app for me as a DJ, then yeah. yeah. we can start the basics for that. But yes, bearing in mind, software development is just never going to be cheap. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a very expensive thing. And, and another thing that Bonsai now also brings to the table is it's reduced the cost. Because I can now more effectively write pieces of code and um, reuse pieces of code that um, generates full sets of functionality that I don't have to test again, I don't have to look at again, I know they work. And um, hence you're just paying for something that's already been written and um, already functional. And then you just pay for your little for your little piece that you basically use to um, make it look nice. You know, put your own pictures up there and whatever, we're going to charge you for that. But you're basically going to get an app that... that Someone would probably charge you in excess of half a million to a million rands for over a period of six to eight months in less than two months and and with the capability of change and, and growth without yeah. limit. You still work for yourself. Yeah. Downfalls, pitfalls, how do you, have you created that balance? Because you know, I, I know yeah. for a fact, you know, it's very easy to. It's taken me eight months of joblessness and, and a great idea that, that I, I had to sell. I have to be able to sell my business. And, and I think that's just the key factor in, in, in the failure of most businesses, startups anyway, is that selling, how do you sell? As a, as a business owner, how do you go out and sell your business as well as, um, put food on the table. I mean, I had to get up at five again this morning and I had to work until 11 and get ready to come here, you know. And you look gorgeous, by the way. I'm going to post pictures and show everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is it difficult being a woman and doing software developing? Yeah, I think it is. As an employee, as a woman, it's difficult because, you know, we we are more intuitive and we we are more... um, 
expressionate and more passionate, I think. The capacity for passion is bigger, mostly, from what I've experienced anyway. Um, and I've seen both sides. But be that as it may, as a woman, I feel that people look at women and think, okay, this person is now too emotional. This person is now making a big scene out of nothing type of thing. We, we, I, I would rather say, you know what, when I get excited, when, when I show myself as a business now, I can present myself and I can be flamboyant and I can dress pretty and I can say, here's the code and everything's flashy. But as an employee where someone wants me to fit in and, you know, not rock the boat too much, it doesn't work anymore. I can't work for the bank anymore. I can't go and sit in the office nine to five. It doesn't work. I can't. And, and I think many women find that, you know, our lives needs to be more flexible and our lives needs to be more accessible um, during office hours. Because you go to the office and you're stuck and you can't pick up your phone, you can't talk to anybody, and you feel guilty for having a cup of coffee because you know your boss is watching you. But again, this is something that I'm trying to address with Bonsai. As, as, as an employee, you basically become the owner of your own business. And um, if you are capable of learning to, to do software development, and I'm capable of teaching that, and that's the other arm of, of what I'm trying to do with Bonsai, is to find a, a bunch of people that will come together and learn how to do software development right the first time and put valuable software solutions in place with guidance from gained from uh, 20 years of experience in the business and basically giving the small medium companies in the street today uh, accessible mobile solutions that they can access because i mean you you know no you want to ask the question you want to be a dj and you want to have your own app what would an app take maybe you can just put your calendar on your app you know make it look spiffy and you can just show here's my next show i'm i'm doing a show in 3 days and it's purple and then tomorrow it's pink and you know whatever whatever you can come up with and then that's the kind of thing that I think is very valuable for, for any personal entity, even a business, where a business can communicate with its clients and, and say, you know what, these are the campaigns that I want to write. And Bonsai has written all that code already. We just need to put it together. What do you think distinguishes a, a great software developer or engineer from a not-so-great well, one? You know, that's a difficult question. The, the software industry is very competition orientated um competitive rather and in short you're gonna have to sit down and you're gonna have to work if you don't work you're not gonna get anywhere and it it comes through in software development as well you know the amount of time that i worked over time is substantial i mean i played a lot of games as well but i was working overtime for years on end and when I worked 10 hours a day, I worked and I put all that time in and I, and I, and I looked, I looked at, at not just sitting and writing code, but I looked at dreaming. I looked at how, how can I make this work better? And as an architect, that's really what, what made the distinction for me is to keep on dreaming and keep abreast of the, the latest and greatest technology so that I can predict what will work. As, Bonsai is not the first time that I've done this. I've done this about eight, ten years ago, something similar to this. And 
I brought out a piece of code that I believed was going to revolutionize software development back then. But I did not have the funding and I did not have the time to finish it. So I could never push it in the market. Even though I sold it once, I could never sell it again because, again, I couldn't go out and market it. And I couldn't sit down and just physically finish it so that I could sell it again, you know. Where this time I didn't have a choice. I had to sit down and sell it because I got nothing else to do. So I had to sit down and write it. But um, when I wrote that piece of software, it was two years in front of its time. You know, so I dreamt two years ahead and I saw something or a way of doing something that nobody else has thought of in two years and then failed for another two years to implement. Um, and, and by that time, you know, I, I, I could have made some real money back then, but I couldn't, I didn't. It sounds like it's a lot of determination that goes yeah, into now you world. have to, now you have to, again, I don't want to swear, but eat, sleep and shit computers, basically. Yeah. You've got a passion for computers. I do, actually. I can see it. <laughs> yeah. I think my last two questions that I want to go in here with is, you know, if needed, how would you go about designing scalable applications? Well, first of all, you've got to think of your reuse. So there's two main facets of a growing application. And first of all, you know, people think applications are written once and run forever. That's nonsense. You know, as soon as your application stops development, you're basically dead in the water. You have to grow it. You have to keep going at it. And so it's a constant work. It's a constant work. So, and, and that's why the name Bonsai for me was, was such a, a pivotal um, signature of, of what I'm trying to do. Because now as I'm living at Kusana, I'm eating my own breakfast, right? I've written a piece of code that, that I can use as a tool to write a lot of code with. And I'm, I'm using that tool today in my work. And it's given me the distinct feeling that now I can write a piece of code and then I can take it through a few steps of what we call refactory and then end up in a much more clinical and structured way than it would have been first off if I just wrote it the first time. So the, the development methodology takes the code through a process of trimming or, or pruning, if you want, um, to, to create a, a unique and, and uh, cohesive set of code. Rather than just writing a solution out for one person, I'm, I'm much rather looking at something that I can reuse, something that, that, that works because I know it works, because I tested it before, because I wrote it before. When is the app going to be available? And where? Well, yeah, basically I'm aiming to get the Android version out by the end of the year. So if I can get the Android version out, and then I will have a, um, a companion source repository for the app that's in then generate it. So from a development perspective, as a developer, you'll come in, you'll download the app on your mobile cell phone on, on, on Android, and it will give you the options that you need to fill in. You hit the button, you register, whatever needs to happen, and you go in and you fill in your screen names. And, you know, maybe you can even, you, at some stage later, I want to um, enable you to upload the physical XAML files, which is the presentation layers, you know, what colors your, your, your text boxes are and those kind of things. Um, where you can physically upload them from your mobile device. So you can physically code them if you want to. The code is really simple, basically, from a XAML perspective. And um, once you've uploaded that, then your app will be available within the next few days within the store as it goes through the process in the back end of uh, doing all the compilations and generations and everything. And you'll have your baseline app with the source code uh, com that you can basically give any developer and say, you know what, I need another 20 hours on my app. Please finish it up for me. If anybody listens to this and they kind of go, oh my God, I want to get hold of her. Where can yes, I get hold of you? Are yes. you on Facebook? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. 
Um, but my main contact vector for the business is LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. So Bianca Menar on LinkedIn, you'll find me if you just type in my name on, on Google, Bianca Menar uh, with two N's and two A's. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me there, and you can also reach me with my Gmail address, bmenar, M-I-N-N-A-R at gmail.com. Yeah. And then how profitable is it to be a software developer? It's hard work that we know. Yeah, look, it's, it's I, I would say it's very profitable, but, um, you know, it's, it's a trade. It's not get rich quick scheme. <laughs> you know, if you're looking, if you're looking for a big break, you know, rather try your hand at, at authoring, I'd say, you know, if, if you've got a serious passion and you really want to, 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 to write software, code software for the machine and make machine code run up and down and give you funky stuff, then you can become a software developer. But otherwise I would suggest that you steer clear. But for the ones who want to do it, I'm willing to learn, uh, willing to teach. I want to teach. I've written a couple of documents already. Um, teaching people how to use bonsai is basically my, my, my primary focus. So anybody who's really interested, just send me a mail. Let's see if we can set the thing up on your machine and get you up and running. And uh, I, I believe that there should be, you know, just off the bat, from, from a bunch of people out of university or even out of school, let's say let's say a thousand people finishes matric, at least twenty of those thousand people can become real good developers. And Bonsai will offer that opportunity to become a a production grade developer basically in two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People should then get in touch with you, I think. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Bianca, thank you so much for your time. Thank it's you. It's been really. great having you on the show. Thank and I'm you. sure I'm going to have you back because there's still, you know, I've just realized something. There's a, a reason why I'm behind microphones and things. Yeah. I should try this. I'm going yeah. to be one of those people that rather stupid. <laughs> okay, so ready with your family. I'm Rion and it was Bianca Menard talking to us all about software developing this morning. Stay streaming.